Welcome to the Water Walkers podcast. Every Christ follower experiences moments like Peter when Jesus called him out of the boat to walk on the water. This podcast can help encourage other leaders as they learn to follow the voice of Jesus as Peter did. Today, I'm privileged to welcome Jimmy Williams. Jimmy is the CEO of Compass Capital Management in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he lives with his wife, Dina, and two daughters. He's also a widely regarded speaker, helping growth-minded business professionals overcome complacency by developing a strategic and financial plan for living life by design. Jimmy also hosts his own Live a Life by Design podcast full of practical insight on reaching your life and business goals. He's been at this a lot longer than me. He's about to cross his 200th podcast episode, which is why I'll let him do most of the talking today. Jimmy does great work that's rooted in a deep personal story that I'm excited to share with you today. Enjoy. Well, hello. Welcome, Jimmy. I'm so thankful to have you on my humble podcast, which is just about to cross, you know, 10 or 12 episodes. I forget exactly what number, but I was just uh, glancing over at your podcast that I mentioned in the introduction with nearing 200 episodes. So congratulations on that. And thank you so much for being here with me today. It's a pleasure, Logan. Always a pleasure to meet someone new. And I just love your invitation that you'd sent as well. Very, very kind. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Well, this will be fun. I'm, I'm really excited to hear more of the little bit that I know about your story, but also, uh, I believe it'll be a real encouragement to more people who, are, who will be listening. So this is exciting and a treat for me. But the, the icebreaker question that we chose to kind of kick off our conversation is, what was your favorite and least favorite subject in school? So and I'm going to say that more like high school for me, because I just sure. enjoyed the education process as a whole. I, I keep teasing everyone, Logan, and I keep saying, if they would allow me to stay at a university, a major university, and pay me what I get paid now, uh, I'd have like three PhDs, you know, <laughs> I love right. the learning process. So if you look at my strength finders and you've seen some of these tools that tell you, well, how do you really function, you know? And if you look at where I'm at on my Colby score, K-O-L-B-E score, I'm a lifetime learner. I'm that person that has to continue learning all the time. So my 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 most favorite, of course, has to do a tie. I, I love numbers, mathematics, but I also love history. Uh, and so those are my two favorites, but my least favorite is since you asked for that. And I'm an optimist. I'll tell you, I'm the kind of guy that I could go out chasing down Moby Dick in a rowboat with bringing my own tartar sauce. You know what I mean? So that's just, me. <laughs> uh, but, but I would say my least favorite is a drafting course. Now you're going to laugh. Drafting is the precursor to architecture, right? And drawing. And I could not make a nice 90 degree wall angle without that lead going just a little beyond. And he always circled my corners and I'm like, sir, it, you know, this just did my unique ability. You know, I'm just doing this because there was no other elective. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> oh, that's great. Well, uh, I appreciate that. See, that's good insight too. Just about even the lifelong learner, those strength tests are super helpful as well. Uh, so let's jump in a little bit more to your story. Uh, I shared about you know, some of the work that you do now, and again, uh, linking to your podcast and some of the great things that we're kind of in uh, a later part of the development of all these great things that God has been doing in your life. But going back to kind of those early days, uh, your story may not be what some people expect. And so I wonder if you could just share that with me a little bit and, uh, and uh, share us a little bit how you got started. 
Yeah, it's a it's a great question. You know, I always tell people in life, you know, God takes you and makes you a unique and special individual from day one. From the time you're born, you're unique. And for a reason, you know, we're all called according to his purpose, right? We just don't know what that purpose is. And Mark Twain said, you know, there's two most important days in our lives, right? Uh, the day we were born and then the day we figure out why. And so I've been working on that second question. The day I was born was fixed by God and my parents. But the day I figured out why was really an eye-opener for me. So uh, to be very frank with you, raised in a very large family. I'm the youngest of six children, which is a very heralded position, by the way, Logan. No one else holds that position but me. Uh, <laughs> but very much rule. Uh, my dad owned a, a, a trucking company. Uh, when I say trucking company, he owned one truck uh, that he himself drove with another gentleman that he hired. And uh, at the end of the day, the trucking industry during the uh, – Late 70s just went into a turmoil and they had filed bankruptcy. I mean, just lost his shirt and then we lost our house. And so I'm sitting there kind of thinking, you know, I'm, I'm at that age, kind of tender age, right? Killing those preteens. I was born in 1965. Mm. You do the math, I'll be 58 next month. But at the end of the day, I'm sitting there going, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean we have to move? You know, this is my childhood right. home. This is, this is my security blanket, right? So I pretty much had that scarcity mindset when I was a kid. And, and I don't know why. I had no reason. I never missed a meal. I had clean clothing, a safe place to sleep. All these things that I pray to these kids every Christmas. I, I visit Santa with my children when they were younger. I just casually sat on his lap over there, and I said, Santa, he goes, what would you like, young man? And I said, a warm meal and a warm bed and a safe place for every child on the planet. He says, gosh, you've asked me for that for the last 20 years. I don't know if I can ever make that happen. But, uh, <laughs> my, but, my, but my point to this, Logan, is, is my childhood was no different than anyone else. There were struggles in it, right? We um, lost a sister when she was only 35 years of age, leukemia. That hit me pretty hard. Um, at, at the end of the day, you just have to look at what God's doing on the big picture. At the time, just didn't quite understand, uh, you know, hey, why are we losing our house? Uh, you know, why am I having to leave all my friends? Uh, this kind of stuff. So very much scarcity thinking. But but I'll tell you what that got me was 18 years of age. I'm a senior in high school, and I've graduated high school. I'm going off to a university in the in the fall, and uh, and that that uh, that that children's camp, if you will, youth camp. I went to uh, with some friends, and um, I got saved at that camp, and it just transformed my thinking. Now. You're going to laugh. I don't know that I've ever seen um, anyone that was instantaneously changed from all the, the bad habits and things of the world to instantaneously being cured and healed by God to get out of those yeah. and put in something new. I, I, I've not seen that, at least right. not in my own life. But no. I knew something was there that gave me hope, that gave me direction, that gave me that sense. I no longer need to think in the scarcity because I have won the war. But, Logan, yeah. I had to go through some battles. Yeah. So, you know, I, I went off to the university with a whole different mindset. You're sending a young man off that was raised in a small community. I had less than 700 people in my little community, 700. And I went off to a university that had about 5,000 students in it, I believe, at the time. And and so that was big for me. My high school class, you know, was 28, 29 people, right? Right. And so I went off to this place, and I immediately found a Christian group of friends to help keep that if you will, that security around me of those in the faith that are much more mature at that time. You know, the Bible tells us we, I'm on milk right now. I'm a new Christian. I'm just still getting milk, right? I'm not right. eating the beef and the good stuff. And so, so I found those people and they were very, very helpful to me to keep me engaged and keep me in the word and keep me doing those things that I think that God intends all of us to do right through prayer and engagement with him in the word and 
and attending and being those like-minded, right? And and so from there, I uh, be frank with you, I had a very, very meek existence. I paid my entire way through college. My parents didn't have any money, obviously. Uh, so I worked full time and never left the dean's honor roll. There wasn't one semester I missed the dean's honor roll. Wow. And I was on the president's honor roll most of those. So I didn't watch TV because I didn't have one. And, <laughs> you know, I just was worried about gas in the car, food in my stomach, and a place to lay my head. Right. Uh, and so so at the end of the day, Logan, I will tell you, God answered a lot of prayers of things I didn't even understand at that early stage in my life. Wow. So how did that influence? that experience, um, how did that shape what you began to do professionally coming out of college and uh, this mindset of helping people build a secure future for themselves? I'm sure like that's a very informative part of your life or a very formative part of your life. And then coming into your professional life, how did that transition go both in your mindset and your vision of what you wanted to do, but also with your relationship with God, did that transfer well into what you were doing professionally and feel like a, a seamless kind of carryover, or did that take some steps as well? It it took a few steps, but I will tell you though, at every instance of those steps, it was that building block of building that foundation to get where I needed to be to where I am today to offer that kind of guidance, not just in a material world, you know, we live in a material world, but we don't actually belong to that world. You know, I'm a big believer. I don't believe God made the gold and the silver and the rubies and all that stuff and all the money of the world for Satan's bunch. I think he made it for his people, but it's not the love, you know, of money I have. It's just the means and utility we use to to build his kingdom, right? We pay our tithes and our offerings uh, and those things. So we bring that to the storehouse, as the word tells us, right? But at the end of the day, I left college with, with basically something on my mind that said, I'm on a mission to find what God has planned for me. Now, I will tell you, my first job was in public accounting. I was an accounting major. That's I'm a CPA. That's what I've done as well as a C, CFP. And I will tell you, I loved it. I loved it so much that I got a little bit out of balance. And let me explain mm-hmm. what I mean by that. When you're passionate about something, you're someone like me that had kind of a very meek childhood, a very, very tight, meek college uh, experience in terms of uh, you know, I just I just didn't have the means to do some of the things that some of the other kids did, but I wasn't jealous. I thought that's their path. I got my path. But what I came to when I got out and got to work was, hey, there's a whole big world out there, people that I wish to meet. And in some way, if I can positively and powerfully impact their lives with something I could do or say or be, now I want you to stay with me. Here in a minute, I'm going to tell you what that be is. Too many of us are doing and saying, but we're not being what I think is the most influential piece of our life. And I said to myself, I just want to help another person. And I just want to help another person. And I never had this thing that I wanted to be the biggest, boldest person in the world. I just wanted to help enough other people, as Zig Ziglar says, get what they want out of life. That was my whole goal. And so I I (laughs) come to find out God worked everything out for me. I went from a, a regional firm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to one of the international firms back then known as the big eight. There were eight of them all across the globe. These were big, big accounting organizations. And uh, I just thrived. Got promoted really easily. People love my attitude. And they go, I don't understand. You know, we put all this pressure on you. Tax seasons, we'd work 65, 75 hours a week. And Jimmy just keeps smiling. You know, I don't, they don't understand about that. And I said, well, there's something that drives me and my happiness far more than just, you know, work. I said, it's important. It's not the most important. 
And they said, well, how do you do that? And I said, this is the being, Logan. I tell people I'm not just saying and doing things to help people. I'm being kind and thankful in the discharge of my duties. That got me more promotions in my life, to be very honest with you, than probably my technical capabilities. Wow. And you mentioned it. I, I know it's there in what you just shared, but I want to isolate it because I think we can jump. I have a follow-up question for this. You mentioned Mark Twain's quote of the most important days of the day you were born and, and then finding out why. So how do you isolate your why? Or how do you describe your why? Yeah, I got to tell you, the, the, the why for me is this. I think we all have a unique ability or talent in life. M mine has been able to relate to people. Uh, I speak all across the country. I've been an international keynote speaker and, until COVID hit, and then I kind of went on Zoom and, and Teams and everything, but still speak to thousands and thousands of people, and I'm blessed to do so. And my why to that was is I just want to show them there's a better way than having to chase money and riches and all that and have a very, very happy, secure life, but have it on a balance that you don't have to sacrifice your soul to get ahead in this world. There's too often too many people go, you know, I just can't go to church on Sunday because, uh, you know, I've got to work or that's my day of rest and I've got to play golf or whatever, you know, and I'm not denouncing any of that. But my why was I needed to be the best person Jimmy could be that God could create from me. Again, that being to attract those around me that he wants me to speak with, not to, if that makes sense. And my why has always been, I just simply want to help that next person. By helping those people, I get so much satisfaction in my life to say that I maybe had made some small difference by God using me as a tool to meet that person's need at that time. And I get these lovely, lovely cards. So I'll go speak at conferences and stuff or, or corporate events, and I will stay afterwards. It's not even in our contract, but I'll stay afterwards. If somebody says, I really just need to talk to you. I'm going through a difficult time. And I feel like God's given me those opportunities to open the doors to say, I need to be here. I need to talk with this person and understand if I can help them anyway. And I get such kind emails and handwritten letters and cards from people that go, on so-and-so date when you were in Minnesota, <laughs> you said something to me that really opened my eyes. And I want you to know I'm thankful. Yeah. So that heart of gratitude, Logan, and, and a lot of my why is simply to say I didn't have the easiest of upbringings. I wasn't in any means without, but I didn't have the silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't have the best of everything. I had a good child. I had two parents that supported me 110% in everything I've ever done. Um, and I'm the first person in our family to ever have a college degree out of six kids. So, and I got a master's degree in law and taxation. And and certifications. And it's just because God has given me the ability to, and I believe it this, to learn. Yeah. This is a very, I mean, this is a very transformative story. Your storyline of how you grew up and having a scarcity mindset and the transformation that happened in your faith and in your walk with your friends and other people through your education, becoming a CPA, but not having that scarcity mindset, but helping people connect to a bigger vision and with a gratitude mindset. Like that is transformative. Can you speak a little bit to kind of that role of gratitude and just the difference of those mindsets between having that scarcity mindset, but what that even has done in your own, uh, your own heart and your emotions of transforming through that to what you're helping people see now? 
you know, it's amazing. So I was raised up, as I said, youngest of six children, and we really uh, were taught you just don't waste anything. You know, it's just it's just that mindset of you just don't waste. It's a scarcity mindset in everything we do. You know, I can't afford to take that risk because I can't afford to lose this. You know, we're just right. we're hung up on where we are today instead of seeing that big picture of where we could be tomorrow. Right. And so I, uh, you know, I just believe it's a blessing. God, I don't know how it happened other than at age of 18 in that Tiger Mountain youth camp where I just got right and got things clear and not just my mind as an 18-year-old young man, but in my spirit. I just got this feeling that there's a bigger calling out there. So every time I'd search the scriptures and it says, you know, you were called for a purpose. Wow, I need to figure that out, you know. But I can tell you this, if you think about it, there was a book called uh, Jesus CEO, and uh, Jesus CEO was such a great book for me because it did meld my two areas of passion together, my ability to want to help people and my spirituality and doing so at the same time, leading in that that vein and that thought. If you think about what Christ did, he didn't think small, man. He thought big, big numbers, and here's why he did. He thought big numbers because he had a mission, just like we all have a mission. If you don't know what that is, we need to work on it, right? But we have a mission. If you will, you could say that was his will that he was walking in. You know, we're all in God's will at certain times, and sometimes we're out of that. But he was on a mission, and his mission was, I'm going to use 12 ragtag people that really don't even know their leaders, and I'm going to transform them into an international conglomerate that's going to change the planet. Now, that's a big mission statement, my friend. Right. And he did that. So I I look at this as a means. And everybody goes, well, when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? And I go, by man's meaning of retirement, I could have already done so at 58. I've been blessed. But by Jimmy and the Spirit's retirement, I'm never going to retire as long as I'm competent to do what I can do in the world to help people. I'm going to continue doing it because why would you stop doing your will of what you feel God's given you to do? Why, why would you stop? And at the end of the day, that's just what motivates me every day. I've never had a bad day, Logan. I never have. Now, I've had some days better than others, but I've never had a bad day. <laughs> yeah, the Lord's always at work, no matter what day it is. And you talked about finding purpose. And you talked about figuring out your why and describing that a little bit. And so I'd love to uh, just introduce people a little more to what you do with living li- living a life by design and how you help other people and other companies work out their why and work out their vision. Yeah, Simon Sinek, so if you can't tell, I'm a very voracious reader. I just love to read. I've got a quite an extensive library, probably about 3,500 volumes in my own library at home. Uh, I love biographies, people that empower me. Benjamin Franklin has just always been one of my favorites. Abraham Lincoln came from much worse background than me in terms of scarcity and, and ascended all the way to the presidency of a country that was divided, you know. Uh, so at the end of the day, I, I tell people, I start with a book called Simon Sinek is the name of the author. And he and I shared a stage in, in Vegas speaking a few years ago, and he's out of New York City. And Simon has a book called Start With Why. And it's on our it's on our website at livealifeby.design. Um, and, and I'll tell you, the whole, the whole point of that is to me is we help people find that why, because once they do, it's kind of like that athlete that's in a zone. You know, if you look at what happened in the Super Bowl, not just a few days hence, the Super Bowl, it looked as if the Chiefs were out of it. Man, they were down by two touchdowns, and it was just like they're not hitting on any cylinders. But there was this young man from Texas named, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you probably heard right. of him. And 
he's a, he came out and he marshaled his team to their why. Why are we even here? Why are we doing this game that we love? Why are we behind? Because we're not executing to our fullest potential. Well, that's the same thing you learn in your organization and mine. We always have a room to improve in our efficiency, our effectiveness, our clarity. We have to work on that why. And so what we do here, instead of working on the main things that every other wealth advisor works on, which is let's help you grow your money. We don't want to grow your money, Logan, until we know why you want to grow your money. Right. Is it that you have a special needs child? We do a lot of work in that area. You know, someone that may have a Down syndrome child or someone that's physically impaired. Why do you want to grow your money? Well, because I came from a family that I'm going to have to support my children more as well as my parents, that old sandwich generation, you know. And that's the point we make here. We sit down and learn that why. Then we can craft a plan and help monitor, implement, and execute with them to get that why. And here's an amazing story. A grandmother came in who is raising her granddaughter. Her daughter had a divorce and then kind of lost her way in the world. And this young girl of three years of age came to her grandmother by her, her daughter just leaving her. And her grandmother raised this child. She came to me at the age of five. Grandmother was the only winner. Her husband had predeceased. She had a job that was not one of the highest paying in the entire city. But she said, I live within my budget. A, number one, right, live within our means. But B, she said, I have a vision for my granddaughter. I want her to have a better life than what I've had or her mother has shown. Not had. Her mother had everything she needed to be successful. She didn't act on those attributes of success to create a vision to be successful. So she came in. So we helped her design a plan to help have the funds to send this granddaughter to college. And I'll never forget the card we received to announce this young lady's high school graduation included a photo of the young girl holding up the university that she was accepted to and tears in her eyes. And I'm talking about grandmother's eyes. <laughs> yeah. He saw a 13 year plan come together and now they're acting on it. And this kid now has been, I think she became an education educator. I think she's in school teaching grade school or something of that nature and helping other kids see their vision. So to me, that is the powerful reason of why we're here to do this. It's not what you make, it's what you become and help others to become in their own mind. Right, yes, oh, that's that's great. Are there some other, I love that example that you shared and I know you work with a lot of different businesses. Are there some creative ways that you have helped people use their strategic planning for kingdom impact? I know you do a lot of work with education and children and that kind of thing, but I'm just thinking of other examples where businesses have been strategic or leaders have been strategic uh, to incorporate their faith in that process and, and make a difference in the kingdom. Yeah, you know, we, uh, we have a youth camp here that our church actually has uh, built thanks to the great, the great contribution of uh, one of our members years ago when he passed away through a testamentary trust. And we had some raw land and we had a vision, though. We could put we could put uh, you know sleeping quarters on there and living quarters on there, and we could go build our tabernacle on there for the kids to meet and have you know speakers come and have a great time of fellowship as well with uh, maybe a swimming pool or whatever. We started out don't laugh in a, with a lake and a river, <laughs> and now we have a swimming pool there, right? But it all starts somewhere. And I will tell you, we've worked with some of these companies that saw their 
well, for example, let's take let's take this company that we all know called Chick-fil-A. And I'm not trying to give them free advertising here, but my point is they're a great Christian-based company. They close on Sundays. And everybody said in the tradition sense of a restaurant, you're going to lose it. That's your biggest day of crowds all coming from church. These people want to eat. You're going to lose money. I will tell you that they have one of the best structured and most solid franchise base that you've ever seen as far as restaurants go, fast food restaurants, okay? And the reason being is I think they pay it forward first by having their number one mission always remain number one. Don't forget the Sabbath. Do not work on the Sabbath, the Word tells us, right? And at the end of the day, there's companies that we see are making changes. Like we have here unlimited paid time off in our own company, unlimited. And people look at me and go, you can't do that because your people just take off all the time. You'll never have any efficiency. You won't have any productivity. Did you know that the average person on our team, we only have 10 of us here, uh, nine of us here, excuse me, nine of us on our team. Do you know who takes the most time off besides me? <laughs> Had to throw that out there. Uh, who takes the most time off? You know what their average is? Still two to three weeks. That's it. Now, the point I'm making is, though, they see the vision that we've helped create in them as part of our team. We're a Christian-based company. We believe in treating others with respect, and then we gain respect from doing that. And then we put as the primary focus their life, not just their money, their life. So we're really doing life planning as, as a firm, and that's just unheard of. That's amazing. And, it, and it, it's your workforce is being motivated, not just by obligation, but it empowers them to be motivated by their passion, by their why. And that is a way better uh, culture of a workforce. So uh, I love those examples. Those are great. I, before we run out of any more time, I do want to uh, give you a chance to just share a moment about you do a lot of team development. You speak and do vision strategies, goal strategies all kinds of keynotes and workshops. So could you give me and the listeners a little bit of a taste of that? What do you love to speak about? And uh, how could listeners get in touch with you if they're interested? Certainly. Thank you, Logan. I, one of the most powerful things that I love to speak about with people is motivating Logan to find within himself that bigger, better, bolder Logan. It's all in there. You know, we've had people come up to us and said, you know, I just have this great fear of speaking in front of a crowd. I just can't do what you do. And I said, but wait a minute, maybe you're a tremendous writer or maybe you're a tremendous recording voice on a podcast or audio. Maybe you don't have to be in front of a thousand people telling them why that you believe you got a better idea for them to make their lives even bigger and better. I said, you don't do what I do. Be a student of what I do, but don't be a follower of what I do, right? And so I can tell people today, if they will simply give me 15 minutes of their life for one day, I will plant a seed in them, but I sure will keep them up at night until they sit down and earnestly take their journal out and go, why am I here? And that's the question you have to ask yourself. Why am I here? We all have a purpose. The Bible tells us we have a purpose. Our whole spirit when we're born tells us we've got a purpose for being here, right? And so people can get in touch with us in a couple of ways. First of all, go to our website at compass, C-O-M-P-A-S-S, -S, capital M-G-T.com, compass, capital M-G-T.com, or they can go to our podcast at livealifeby.design. They can also go listen to the podcast, Live A Life By Design, on we're everywhere. So anywhere you have podcasts, we're on it. 
so you can go to Amazon Podcast, Google Podcast. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere that we can be. God has simply blessed us with the means, capability, and intellectuality to help spread the good news. And the best way we know how is through this podcast. Absolutely. And you can already tell Jimmy is contagious. So definitely uh, encourage you to check him out. I, I really enjoy his podcast as well. And I uh, think anybody who's listening to this today would enjoy his as well. So Jimmy, I just want to say thank you again so much. Uh, your story is very encouraging to me and your passion is very encouraging to me. It's definitely a uh, something that's an inspiration for a lot of people. So I really appreciate you being on here and sharing that with us. It's been a true pleasure. God bless, Logan. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Make sure to check out ServantLeaderNetwork.org to find more helpful resources for your leadership journey. And always bring your water walking shoes. <laughs>